Man, I'm going to have to start naming all my messages after songs if they're going to do that. <laughs> I'm more familiar with the original version of that by Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Good, morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, I heard some goods and some eh, that's fine. It is good to be here today. Uh, it was really cool to be able to worship a little bit with our, our fellow congregation people and pastors that are in Israel. Uh, continue to remember them in prayer, because that's a really cool trip, but it's also far away. Uh, today I'm going to continue, I'm going to talk about under pressure, I'm not going to sing, don't worry. And I'm going to speak about margins, which is our series right now, and in this series, as you found out last week, uh, it, it is about the margins of life and how we can kind of fill our paper so much, our life so much, that we kind of eke everything out with the margins and, and everything can get lost. We can get lost. And so one of the ways that we do that, what I'm going to talk about today, is, is the pressure we put on ourselves, the stress we put on ourselves, uh, our internal pressure, the desire to be perfect, the desire to, to be more than what we are. And in some ways that's good, but in other ways it pushes everything else out. And so I want to read Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. So we have this situation right here with Martha and Mary, uh, who are the sisters of Lazarus, Lazarus who came back from the dead. They are very close to Jesus. Like it's almost like his family. They're, they're super close. Jesus would come and see them, worship with them. Uh, if you're familiar with the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, which some of you, when you have to memorize a verse, that's the one you choose, and that's fine. Uh, it's John eleven thirty five. 35. I've done that too. And so, but Jesus wept with them because he was so overcome with emotion. For, for them, even knowing he could bring Lazarus back from the dead, he, he felt it with them, so they're super close. Now, Martha, even with the closeness, even with the relationship, she still knew who Jesus was, and she served him, and she wanted things to be perfect for him. She was putting pressure on herself, pressure on everything around her to be perfect. And I don't know if anyone here has ever been familiar with this situation, maybe where you're preparing everything, you're doing everything, and someone else, maybe a spouse, maybe a kid, Maybe a friend is just kind of sitting there, maybe watching football on Thanksgiving, something like that, and just kind of there. Nobody is familiar with that, right? Like everybody equally works with everything. But so Martha is doing that, and she wants to be perfect, and Mary's not helping. And so the pressure, when you put pressure on yourself, when you put pressure on anything, eventually it comes out. It's not something that's just going to stop. If you put pressure on a balloon, it's going to pop and be loud. If you put pressure on coal over a long period of time, it becomes a diamond. Now you can go home and try that, but it'll take a long time. But when you put pressure on yourself, it also comes out in different ways. Now, to complain to Jesus, to pray to Jesus, that's, the, that's a good way because she went straight to him. But she's getting angry at her sister. She's getting angry at the situation. She's probably even getting angry at herself because most of the time, when we put that super huge pressure on ourselves. When we put that stress on ourselves, that stress to, to get ahead, that stress to get more money, that stress to be the best at whatever it is, then it comes out through anger, through worry, through hurt, through self-hatred, through all of these different things. Uh, going to verse 41, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, 
You're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. There are some that turn Martha into a villain here. They say that she was ignoring Jesus, that Mary had it all right. That, that's not entirely true. Jesus doesn't say never work. He doesn't say don't try. He doesn't say, Martha, how could you do this? He says, hey, you are doing good, but don't put so much pressure on yourself to be perfect. Don't allow that to, to make you upset, to make you angry, to, to hurt you, to, to really overpressure you to the point of exhaustion, to the point of anger, to the point of, of just being gone. He doesn't say don't work. He doesn't say don't try. He says don't be upset. And he says, I'm here now. Spend time with me, which is what Martha should have done, what Mary could have done even more. It's, it's to spend time with him because he is why we are here. He is why we do all of this. Someone had to do the work. Somebody always has to do the work. So again, he's not saying don't do this. He's saying there's a time and a place for everything. And everything has to start. Everything should start. Everything should be centered around Jesus, around your relationship with him. And, and to remember that you are not working, you are not stressing in order to get ahead, in order to, to get more money. Those things are, are good, but it's to serve Jesus more. It's to be closer to him. It's to glorify him with your life, to glorify him with who you are. And work and money, uh, athletic accomplishments, academic accomplishments, family, all of those things are good. They're fine. They're important even. But eventually they go away. Julie, a couple weeks ago, talked about identity, which is something that I've also talked about. And it's so important to find your identity in Christ because if you find it in what you do, if you find it in how good you are at something, if you find it at how important you are to someone, that will go away eventually. Uh, if you are a straight-A student and like, you went through your whole life just getting straight-A's, well, school ends eventually. Now, some of us can say amen to that. But some of us, it's like, well, who are you after that? If you find yourself, uh, your identity in your job, in the way that you keep the house, in, in the way that you, you make money, whatever it is, eventually that will go away. Eventually you will retire. Eventually, maybe you'll change jobs. Eventually, maybe people will move out. Like, whatever it is, the only thing that doesn't change is Jesus. And so that's what he's saying. Again, he's not saying don't work. He's saying Martha. You are more than this work. This is not who you are. You are my child. You are with me. You love me. That is why you are doing this. And so he taught us this valuable lesson. He, he showed us what to do. He showed us who we are. One of the things that we do most, and the first thing that came to my mind when, when we talked about the margin series, is that stress we put on ourselves. Because that's something I'm very familiar with. That that need to be the best, that desire to be perfect, that, that, that feeling that is always going on. Uh, last week was a very sad one for me because I'm a Titans fan. Thank you, David. Uh, and, and so, and we could have won if Patrick Mahomes didn't exist, but, <laughs> but uh, after that game, I was talking to Mary Shambo, and she was a, she's a Packers fan who, oh, they got beat worse, so that's, you know, but she said, well, at least they went that far. You know, uh, at least they made it. I'm not happy they, they lost, but at least they made it to the final four. And I'm like, what? We lost. And she's like, no, you can't look at it that way. And I'm like, uh, we didn't win. Like, you either win or lose, because that's how I look at things, because that pressure I put on myself to be perfect, if I'm not perfect in my own mind, then I'm nothing. And because of that, I have all of this, this 
pent-up anxiety and this pent-up stress, and, and it can feed into depression, it can feed into all of these things, and, and it comes out in all of these different ways. As a kid, several decades, centuries ago, uh, I was raised by my grandparents, which I've mentioned before, and, and I was pressured to, to get straight A's. And by pressured to get straight A's, I mean I had to get straight A's, like there was no other grade. And, and so I did, like I, I worked hard, I studied uh, some, but I was able to get A's. And, and, and so that is the pressure that I still put on myself. I, I started to put it on myself in college, I put it on myself now. All of that continues, and it helps that I'm competitive. Because again, I have to win. Uh, when the teens play games on Sunday nights, I have to win those, even though I very rarely do. Except for uh, wiffle ball, which I am the champion. The, the rules were fair. <laughs> I am the champion of that. My team, we won, fair and square. Uh, but, and I have the medal in my office, and it will always be in my office. But, <laughs> had I lost that, outside, I would have been very happy for the team. I would have been like, good job, you guys won. Inside, I'm going to be like, man, how did you lose this? And, and so that's what we kind of do. We put that pressure on ourselves to get ahead, to get your kids ahead, to get your friends ahead, to, to do whatever it is to, to succeed, to be the best. And again, those are worthy goals. But it is why you are doing it. It is that, that drive that comes from Jesus, and it can lead to stress if you forget that it comes from Jesus. It can lead to stress if it just becomes the work. If you're just doing it to get money, you're just doing it to get the promotion, you're just doing it to, to, to be the best, and you forget, wait, I'm a child of God. You, you forget, oh, I'm doing this so I can glorify God, and it just becomes about you, then that can go to so many other things. It, it can come out in self-hatred, and it can also come out, and it often does in, well, you know, I got a lot to do this week because I've really got to get that presentation. I don't know how actual jobs work. I've really got to get this going. I've got to get this assignment done. I've got to get that promotion. I've, again, I've got to do this. I've got all of these things to do, so I don't have time to pray. And then it becomes, well, I don't have time for devotion, so I'm just going to... And then it becomes, man, I really need to catch up on work, so I'm going to skip this Sunday, and then I'll come twice next Sunday. And the next Sunday comes, you're like, I'm still not done. I've got to get there. I've got to pressure myself. I've got to get better, and so I've got to wait. And eventually, that next Sunday, next Sunday, next Sunday, is, becomes months, years even. And you forget Jesus' place in your life. And it comes from a good place of this desire to improve, this desire to be better. But you've pushed Jesus out of your life. You've pushed church. You've pushed everything good out of your life because of that pressure on yourself, because of that stress. Now, like Martha, it's perfectly fine to want everything to be good. To, to want things to be prepared, to want things to be better, to want yourself, your family, your friends to succeed. But we have to remember what Jesus said. And so I want to go to Ecclesiastes 5, 16 through 17. And this too is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they, when they came. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Now, that's a very sad verse in some ways. Like, we look at that and we're like, wow, that just says that my life is meaningless, which is another part of that chapter. But, but, but that is not exactly what it is saying. You see, world values are different than Christian values. We all know that. In the world, it is about money, popularity. It, it, it's about what you can do for who. It, it's about how you can look, all of these different things. Christian values are upside down from that. 
It's about how you treat others. It's about how you worship him. It's about what you do with your life, with the meaning of your life. Now, we are called to be in but not of the world. And so we all understand that. If anybody said, hey, what is a Christian relationship to the world supposed to be? Pretty much everybody has been in church enough to know, well, we're called to be in, not of. But that's very hard, especially if you're working out in the world, if you're going to school out in the world, if you're living out in the world. It can become very hard because everyone around you is striving to pass you. They're striving to push you down. They're trying to climb over you. All of these things happen. And obviously, we need money to survive. We need to pay bills. We need to, to pay for homes. We need to buy the youth pastor gifts. Like all of these different things, money is important for. Uh, with, with school, we need to get the grades, to get the diploma, to get the job, etc. So all of those things are good. But we get so focused on it. We get so focused on it that we forget how the Christian values tie in and how they shape us. In my own life, currently, I am trying to sell a book, my favorite book, not one of the trilogy, uh, that I've written to a literary agent. It's a very hard process for me because regardless of how good the book is, you have to be rejected a ton. And I am not great at rejection. And so it stinks. Like, I look at things like, oh, Stephen King got rejected this number of times. J.K. Rowling with the Harry Potter series got re rejected, like, hundreds of times, maybe. A lot. Now, we all know both of those authors. We know their success. But for me, I don't look at that part. I look at, man, rejection, rejection, rejection. How, how do you put up with that? And so it's something. And so I put pressure on myself right now to write the perfect query letter. And I hate those. To write the perfect synopsis. And I'm awful at synopsizing. That's not a word. My work. <laughs> I'm awful at summarizing my work. Uh, when somebody asks me, you know, is it, what genre is it? I have to go into like a 15-minute explanation of how it is all kinds of genres. When they're just looking for, does it have sci-fi? Yeah. And so I put all of this pressure on myself, and so it becomes hard. I put pressure on myself to write, to publish, to minister, to lead, to, to be the best. I put this pressure on myself. And so when I was going over this message, when I was praying about it, when I found this scripture, at first it was very discouraging. It, it, because it says... Uh, you leave the world no better than you left it, and everything goes away like wind. And so I look at that, and I'm like, what am I doing this for? But no, it is only for nothing if that is your identity. It is only for nothing if you're only doing it for those reasons, if you're working only for that paycheck, and not because God gave you this gift, not because you want to provide for your family just to get ahead, if you are writing just to get accepted by a publisher. If you're doing anything in your life not with Jesus in your heart, then that's when it goes away. That's when it falls apart. That's when life falls apart. Because when what you do becomes who you are, all of that pressure just goes somewhere and it becomes awful. All of that hard work, all of the stress fills your life, drives your life, and it becomes the reason. And sometimes people even forget why they're doing what they're doing. It's like, well, because I need to get to the next thing. Well, but what after the next thing? Well, I need to get to the next thing. And again, the world encourages that because that's what they understand. They want it boxed in because that's what success in the world means. For me, I, I haven't written in over a year, like anything new, because I have this, this 
pressure in my own mind that, well, what if what I write isn't good? Well, then clearly I need to not write anything. Which to you guys, you're like, that's stupid, Jeff. But then in your own life, you're like, wait, what have I done new? Like, like what am I doing with my life? It, I haven't even tried because I don't think it'll be good. Uh, it's said, and it doesn't super make sense if you actually know sports, but it kind of does in life, uh, that you miss every shot you don't take. Now, that's not necessarily true. If you're like seven foot two and you're taking threes, you shouldn't be. But if you just stop because, well, this isn't going to be perfect, I'm not going to try. That's another way that the pressure defines your life, and you forget why you are doing it. I'm blessed to serve in a church where I, I'm able to, to minister to people. I'm able to be here and, and worship. I'm able to, to speak, sometimes okayly. I'm able to do this, and so Jesus is at the forefront of my life. Now, even in the church, I have to remember to, to minister to myself and to have my own devotions because otherwise it becomes all about the next thing there too. And working in a church, people will understand that. It's like, yeah, church isn't just Sunday to Sunday. Like, there's a lot of stuff in between. But being blessed to be here, that kind of helps me to put everything in perspective. And that's one of the many ways that I'm so glad that I was called into ministry. But I've also had life the other way. When I was in college, I've spoken about my depression, but there was also a period of time where I had so many credits to get, and I was trying to get degrees, and I was trying to get ahead, and all of these things, and I remembered my grandma's better good days, blah, blah, blah. And so I was putting pressure on myself to the point that I stopped going to church. Now, I still felt okay with that decision in some ways. I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily tell people, but I wasn't doing anything bad. I wasn't partying or, or drinking or drugs or anything like that. I bought a lot of movies. I've got way too many, but I still, it's nothing bad. And, and so I, I allowed myself to fool myself with that pressure to get ahead. And just like I said earlier, like church kind of went out the window. And I felt that over time, and I realized something was missing. And, and thankfully, God spoke to me and brought me back, but, but it's so easy to let that go. And degrees and work, they matter. I'm glad that I got them, even though... I'm still paying for them, and I don't technically do any of those things. Yeah. Uh, I'm mostly glad that I got them. And they matter. But I wanted to be perfect so badly that everything else was gone. I'm going to give you a couple tricks for writing papers. So those of you that are still in school, here's a couple cool things. Some of them you know. Uh, and this is going to make sense to the sermon. I'm not switching gears. When you're writing a paper... Most people know, well, if you change certain fonts, then it gives you a little more space. Like you, if you have like a three-page paper and you go, Times New Roman's very small. Don't use it unless you're required to. Arial's a little bit bigger. Now the temptation's going to Courier New, which makes it like, adds like three extra pages or something. Yeah, I've been there. But uh, Arial is just a little bit bigger, so sometimes it's not noticeable. So we notice these things. Another trick, and this is where it comes to the point, another trick is you can kind of alter the margins of the paper very minutely to where it goes in just a little bit and then it fills up more space. And so most of us, if we know how to do that, we've been in that position where it's like, wow, I only wrote one paragraph and it went over 12 pages because your <laughs> margins are like this. But there's another way, and this is where I'm going to separate myself from those that were just nodding my head. This is where I'm going to look like a huge nerd you can also make the margins go the other way if you have a lot to say and you have a page limit. Now, some of you are like, what are you talking about, a page limit? 
when you're in English and literature, you actually get to the point where you kind of like to write and you have a lot going on. And so if you have like a, you can only have two pages, some of you are like, man, I wish I only had two pages. I was like, man, I, I've got to figure out how to condense all of this into two pages. And if you've heard me preach, you know that I still have trouble with that. I'm, I don't know that it's good that you laughed at that or not. But so the margins, you can make them go the other way to where so much fits. But if you make them go too far, they're gone. There are no more margins. And so that's where I was. That's where I've been in my life. I was filling my paper, my life with so much, pressuring myself for so much that those margins went away. And so I didn't feel complete. I felt lost. Nothing felt right. And mine were gone, and I still remember how that felt. Going to Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. I still struggle with this idea. I still struggle with this concept, and I've always struggled with this concept. But what it is saying is, keep working, that's cool. Have your job, do your school, that's all awesome. But you're already complete. Just like we know that you can't earn, you can't work your way into heaven, you also can't work your way into completeness if you are one who likes to push yourself to do more, to be more, to get more. You're never going to have enough. If you go and talk to the billionaires in the world, and you're like, hey, do you have enough money now? No. Everyone who owns a team, uh, all of the, the very rich people who own teams, they don't sell because they want more money. Because you never get to the point where you have enough if that's all you think, if that's all you desire, if that's all you want. And so this scripture is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's okay to work. It's okay to push yourself. It's okay to try. You should. But you're already complete. You're already worth it. You're already there no matter what you do. Everything you do does matter. Don't let people say, oh, that doesn't really matter. It does matter because it matters to you. But it never matters more than you. It never matters more than other people. And it definitely never matters more than Jesus. And that's where we have to remember and put things in perspective. Earlier, David mentioned social media. The internet is such a good thing in so many ways. It, it it's allows us to connect with people. We're able to see people in, in Israel who we know, and it's so cool. You can text them, you can talk to them. Now, it may drive up the rates, so don't do that a lot. But we have all of these different connections, and with social media, we can keep friends. In fact, on my Facebook, I have like thousands of friends, of which I know like three. But we are able to have all of these different friends and all of these different relationships. We're able to look up things at the drop of a hat. If you're watching Jeopardy, and you see an answer you don't know, you can quickly Google it and then yell out in front of your family, oh, I knew it. Because we have that connection, and that's good, but it also means that we see what everybody else is doing 24-7. And most people, we don't post on social media regular life, like he said. We post the highlights. We post what is the best. We post the, the, the most important things to us that people would want to see. You don't post, well, today I had orange juice and, and toast, and then I went to bed early. Well, you might on Twitter, but on most social media, you don't. You post, oh, today was the day I got a promotion. Now, you don't post on the other 364 days that you didn't get that. And so what that means is we see that for everybody. We see their highlights. We see their best moments. It's like, oh, I got to catch up. 
And so you start push, putting pressure on yourself, not just to be perfect, but to match other people, to pass other people. And we forget, wait, wait, wait. That desire to succeed, that drive to be better is good, but I'm already complete. I'm already complete because of Jesus, because Jesus died on a cross for me, because Jesus gave me this life, so I've got to remember that I'm already complete. I've got to remember. Definitely reach high and reach far and dream big, but everything else that you accomplish is gravy. Now, that's a saying we know. Why is that a saying? Because gravy makes everything better. If you have mashed potatoes, which are really good, you've already got a complete meal. When I was in college, I would buy those boxes of mashed potatoes, the instant ones, and that would be my dinner. Sometimes it still is. But it would be a complete meal. But if you get gravy, whew, that becomes Thanksgiving. If you get turkey and you pour gravy on it, it's a little bit better. It's moisture. It's better. Sorry if moisture bothered people. If you have ice cream, and you pour gravy on it even better. Anything. Anything that you get, gravy makes it better. So that's why that's a saying. So we look at our life like that, I'm already complete. So everything else I do just makes it better. It doesn't make me more complete. It doesn't make me better. It makes life better. And so I have to remember that Jesus makes me complete. That's how we get rid of that pressure. That's how we remember why we are doing what we do. And it doesn't mean you're never going to be stressed. It doesn't mean you're ever, never going to feel that pressure. But it means when you do, you're like, okay, this has been a really tough week. This has been a really tough month. This has been a really tough year. This has been a really tough life. But I've got to remember that I'm doing this for Jesus. I've got to remember that no matter what happens on that test, no matter what happens the next day, no matter what happens at work, I'm already complete. And it doesn't mean stop trying. Kids, don't tell your parents, I'm already complete. I don't have to try in school. No, not saying that. What I'm saying is it frees you up in a way. And you're like, okay, I'm feeling this pressure, but I've got to pray now. Instead of working so hard that I'm driving church, driving Jesus out of my life, I've got to put more of it in. And I've got to remember that all of this other stuff matters, but not as much as me, not as much as Jesus. And that's easy to say. But how do we do it? So I want to go to Philippians 4.8 for my last scripture. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This tells us so much. It tells us to start with Jesus. It tells us when we start to hate ourselves, when we start to pressure ourselves, when we start to pressure other people, Focus instead of the work, instead of focusing on the work, instead of focusing on the promotion, instead of focusing on the grade, focus on what's good about it. What happens if you get the promotion? Well, you get more money. Good. Why does that matter? So that your life can be more comfortable. Good. Why does that matter? What's good there? Because if you have a life that you feel comfortable in, if you have a life that you feel successful in, you'll remember why you're successful. Oh, this is for God. Because I'm doing the best I can in the world so that people see God through me. People see Jesus through me. People feel Jesus' love when I talk, when I speak, when I do anything. And so you focus on what is good, what is honorable, what is right with what you're doing. You focus on Jesus with everything. Now that doesn't mean if you're going to the grocery store and you're getting ready to put up together a meal, you're like, well, what would Jesus serve here? It doesn't mean which toothpaste would Jesus want me to use. That's not what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying is when you feel that pressure, when you are living your life, when you are working hard, remember, okay, why am I doing this? Let me put things into perspective. I'm already complete, check. Now what's good? Well, Jesus is good. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Good job. Okay. We'll work on that more in the second service, so come back. But focus on what is good. Definitely work hard. Definitely push yourself, but not to the point that it's unattainable. Not to the point that that's all you are, that that's all you care about. It's not about perfection. It is about growing in Christ. It is about finding the calling on your life to be more like him, to serve him. All of the other things will come into fruition. If that is your centerpiece, if that is your starting point, remember the completeness that you already have. Remember what's worthy of praise in your life. And more than anyone, I understand that that's really hard sometimes. Because sometimes everything around you is falling apart and you feel like if I don't work hard, if I don't work harder, if I don't push myself, then I'm going to lose everything. And that can hurt and that can be part of the pressure. But instead of thinking I'm going to lose everything, don't stop and don't work anymore, but think, okay, this would be really bad if I lose everything, but I have Jesus, and so I have to start there. I have to remember that completeness, and then you work with that knowledge, with that feeling in your heart that you're already there, that he will help you, he will provide. Making Jesus your home base, not an exit ramp, not something that you have to do when you're out of food on the trip, but something that you start at, something that you finish at. It's Jesus, and everything else works from that, works with that. Next week, I get to preach twice in a row, sorry. But next week, as part of this series, the, the next message will be about taking things step by step, and so that's going to tie into this a little bit. But spoiler alert, the first step always has to be Jesus, because he is why we are here. He is why we are sitting here. He is why we put up with listening to me. He is who we serve. Your job is not who you are. Your job is not who you serve. Your school is not who you are. Your school is not who you serve. Those things matter, yes. But you are already complete in Him. And you serve Him. And so focus on the good. Focus on the right. Focus on the holy. Focus on the worship. Focus on Him. Focus on who you are in Him. And then allow Him to help you through the rest. All the way back to Martha and Mary. Again, he did not say, Martha, never work again. He said, okay, calm down. Hold on. I love you already. If everything is perfect, I'm not going to love you anymore. If everything is not perfect, I'm not going to love you any less. So remember me. And that's what you do in your life. If you try your hardest and you fail, God doesn't love you less. If you try your hardest and you succeed, God doesn't love you more. We all have this perfect, complete, total love from God right now. So remember that, hold that, live with that, and then do everything you can to, to, to be a success. But not because the world says so. Because through that life, you can work even harder to show people Jesus. Because that is who we are. That's all I got. Please stand. This is a very interesting series because everyone feels different pressures, but kind of the same pressures, if that makes sense. Like some people here uh, work from home, 
keeping their families together. Some people here work in factories. Some people here work as dentists. Again, I don't have a full understanding of what real jobs are. But we all have different jobs. We all have different pressures. We all have different lives. Some are single. Some are married. Some are children. Some are teens. Some are adults. Some are adults plus. But we all have pressures. And so we all come from that same place of feeling that internal and external pressure. And we all have the same paper size, so to speak. And so instead of pushing your margins so far out that you forget who you are and why you're living, remember that your life is valuable no matter what you do. That you are worth it no matter what you do and that God loves you no matter what you do. Please bow your heads. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for bringing us together here today. I thank you so much for giving us this chance to worship you, for giving us this chance to, to learn from you. I thank you so much for, for just allowing us to be here, Lord, to take a second, to take a minute, to take an hour, to, to just be with you. Help us to remember the importance of you, to remember that you are why we are here, that you are why we live, that you are why we do anything, and to take that with us throughout this. Help us, Lord to remember that we are already complete. To remember that anything else we do doesn't make us more complete. It may make our lives better, but it doesn't make us more complete. Help us to hold that completeness, to hold that love, to hold that goodness, to hold that glory in you as we go through the stresses of day to day. And help those stresses, Lord, not to defeat us, but to draw us closer to you as we give everything we have, everything we are, everything we will be to you. Help us as we go from here to be your light in this world. In your name we pray, amen. You are dismissed.